gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello and welcome to the Town Alone Podcast, podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I, as always, am your host, Adam, and with me, my co-host, Mike. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm going to go ahead and apologize, Adam. Mm-hmm. We had a, hit a big parlay this weekend, mm-hmm. and Bill's got a big dub, so I might just be extremely obnoxious on this podcast. So, eh, At least they didn't beat the Commanders this week. Uh, but for those of you who are new to the show, we are a sports podcast brought to you by the Town Alone website. And like Adam Copeland, we're going to hang around at the start and then uh, hit a guy from Seattle with a chair. So fucking kick it off, eh? So, Mike, before we talk about football, which is the thing that we spend most of our time talking about these days, mm-hmm. got uh, more updates on the Damian Lillard trade saga. So for those of you who do not watch basketball recently, uh, perennial all-star player and Man who is shorter than me, Damian Lillard, was traded from the Portland Trailblazers to the Milwaukee Bucks in a three-team trade, including perennial all-star player who is also shorter than me, Drew Holiday. And now Portland has moved Drew Holiday to Boston in a package for Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, Golden State's 24 top four protected first, and Boston's 29 unprotected first. So now... Portland's total haul from the Damian Lillard trade so far is DeAndre Ayton, Tamari Kamara, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, three firsts, uh, one in 24, two in 29, two first-round pick swaps, which really don't pay off that often, so not even really worth talking about. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, with the conclusion of all of this, I've given grades to every individual team involved in this saga. And I say conclusion, I think we're still in the process of this. I think we see Portland move a couple more players. But let me uh, let me go through a couple of my, my grades here, and then we can talk about the broader thing. Okay. Hey, real quick, did you, um, when you said Robert Williams' name, did you say his full name? I did not call him Time Lord. I just called him oh, Robert okay. Williams. I didn't call him Robert Williams the third either, if that's what you mean. No, I meant Time Lord, Robert Williams the third. You big, okay. uh, you big Time Lord as a nickname guy? I just, I just think it sounds cool as shit, that's all. I don't get why they call him that. Does he have two hearts? I think early on in his career, he was just like really efficient with the minutes he was getting. Huh. So he doesn't like every few seasons transfer into a different British actor. Does he live in a phone booth that's bigger? Oh, than I got you, Doctor yeah. Who. Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah. 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 All right, yeah, let's yeah. let's get these grades. Um. So, uh, going in alphabetical order, starting with B for Bucks. I gave the Milwaukee Bucks an A plus. Nice. Seems like the biggest successes are that they got Dame Lillard, obviously. Uh, top, what, 18 player in the league? 18 and a half player in the league? Yeah, top 10 guard, you say? Yeah, I don't think I can name, I don't think I can name 10 guards better than Dame Lillard. Probably no, just... top five just off the dribble shooter in the league. Yeah, it's basically Jalen Brunson, one through nine, and then Dame. All right. <laughs> you see Jimmy Butler's hair? You see this shit? Yeah, his emo hairdo. What the fuck, man? Do teenagers scare the living shit out of him suddenly or something? No comment. Was he a young boy whose father? This I really took him into the city. Yeah, this doesn't work very far into the, the line. You got any more, uh, you got any Black Veil Brides jokes to make about this? 
Yeah, it just looks like he's walking a lonely road. That's the only road that he has ever known. Think him and Derek Carr are going to hang out now? Probably. But We're off the rails really early. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, the wine will do that to you. But Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez stay in Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't give up a ton of draft capital. And they became the favorite in the East with this move. Now, mind you, they did give out some players that I do kind of like. Um, and Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen. But overall, not the biggest loss to bring in Daimler to make yourself the Eastern Conference favorites. But then the uh, Celtics, who I'm giving an A, not an A+, plus, an A. I bumped them down just a little bit, just a hair, a smidgen, uh, as it were. Because they had to play catch-up and ended up giving up a higher price. I think that, I think that Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, and an, a top-four protected pick in 2024 are a higher value than what the Bucks gave up to get Dame Lillard. And I think Dame Lillard is a higher value player than Drew Holiday. The only problem is Dame Lillard makes about 10 to 12 million more dollars per year. But Celtics, they, uh, you just can't fault the team for going all in, right? They gave up a lot. They gave up more than I think that I would have wanted if my team was doing it. But my team's not in contention. My team doesn't need to go in. The Timberwolves, if they had given up this package, I would have been a little bit upset because Drew Holiday doesn't put him over the edge. But this did, in fact, return the Celtics to title favorite after making this move. Uh, on top of it, you know what I thought was interesting? You remember 2022? Uh, this, this little team, the Boston Celtics, played in the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. You familiar with this, Mike? Yeah. So here is the top eight on that 2022 Finals team. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Derek White, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard. Here is who I think the projected top eight is for the 23-24 season. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Kristaps Porzingis, Al Horford, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, and either Luke Cornett or Sam Hauser. Which one of those top eights would you rather have? I feel like I should have written that down. <laughs> I can read it again if you would like. Read, uh, yeah, I, I got the projected you, one. Read, read me the 22 one more time. Yep. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Derek White, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard. Hmm. That's so they tough. Basically, they basically turned... They turned Marcus Smart into Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis and turned Robert Williams, Grant Williams into Luke Cornett slash Sam Hauser and Al Horford. Well, not so, Al Horford because he's already there, but you get what I mean. The starting upgrades, I like. Going from Williams to Porzingis and uh, Marcus Smart to Drew Holiday. I guess um, yeah, I think that's really good. Maybe the the depth that they changed, I'm not as crazy about. But I think they're starting five. Hauser, really good. I think Sam Hauser's good. Yeah, you're not a Luke Cornet guy. I'm not a Luke Cornet guy as much as I'm uh, a Sam Hauser guy. My big dookie. I literally have no response to that, but my brain nearly fried trying to think of another Green Day joke to make. <laughs> oh, what does it matter? Because Luke Cornet went to Vanderbilt. <laughs> he just looks he like a guy that went to Duke, probably because he's white. He does. Yeah. I mean, Grayson Allen did, and he was involved in the trade, so half credit. So who yeah. would you take, Mike? One game for the fate of Earth, taking the 2022 NBA Finals, top eight in points. Once again, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Derek White, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, or the 2023-2024 projected top eight. Once again, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Christoph Porzingis, Al Horford, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, Luke Cornett, slash Sam Hauser. One game for the fate of the universe. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take this year's team. 
I think I'm going to take this year's team, too. I yeah. think they improved a lot. Um, worth noting, after this trade, here are now the title odds in the NBA. You got Celtics as the favorite, plus 380. You got Bucks, second place. Actually, Bucks tied. They're both plus 380, which is Vegas going, I don't know. Fuck it. Someone's got to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is the Suns at plus 550, who are too high on this list. After that, Nuggets plus six plus six hundred, which are too low on this list. Yeah, that's worth the bet, I think. After this, Lakers plus thirteen hundred, Warriors plus seventeen hundred. So that's the that's your top six in the NBA after this trade. Yeah, I think uh, Holiday adds a great defensive piece to that starting five. I do. Um, man, what's with the green dayness of this podcast? Oh, Holiday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I do think, I mean, Malcolm, Bro- Malcolm Brogdon put up like just about 15 points and four assists on pretty close to 50, 45 shooting field goal to three point. So that is a good, some good offensive depth they're saying goodbye to. But I guess the hope there is, I mean, you have Derek White coming off the bench now. He's no slack. Yeah. And also Malcolm Brogdon was apparently unhappy with the Celtics. So they were going to have to move him regardless. Yeah, he so didn't. At least they got Drew Holiday out of that. Yeah, his minutes, like those last two finals games, they just totally gave up on him. He had eight minutes and seven minutes in those last yeah. two finals. I mean, games. he wasn't shooting well in the mm-hmm. the Miami conference finals. Yeah. Uh, so... To continue on down the list alphabetically here before we get too mm-hmm. distracted. Yeah. Next up, the Suns, as they do come alphabetically after the Celtics. Gave up Aiton, who I think is the best player involved in this trade or in the moves that the Suns made. They got back Nasir Little who I think is the best piece they got back. I like Nasir a little more than I like Yusuf Nurkic. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know. Uh, I give him a C. Like a passing C. Like a true C. Not like an IGN. You suck. This is a C. Mm-hmm. I don't think they got any better. I don't think they got any worse. They got more depth and lost top-line talent. Aiton wasn't going to play well for them. That bridge was burnt, so they needed to get rid of him anyways. And they got in some depth pieces, which is something that team definitely needed. But I don't know why this even affected their championship odds. Yeah. I think uh, you're spot on with the grades. I mean, the sun, are they their cap situation maybe a little bit better by moving Aiton? Is that like the silver lining? I'd have to double check. I don't yeah. know how much money they brought in versus sending out. I mean, they're they're in the luxury, or they might even be in the super tax. So there's no way they could take on more than 110% of the contract value. Yeah, and now I will say that I think, I mean, Boston, Milwaukee, both got what they needed. Let's go out and get that next big piece that we think is going to get us the ring. I do love that. Milwaukee makes the big move, and like you said, Boston had to like kind of respond and go do something in the uh, the arms race between the two teams. Um, Portland, you know, they're sitting in a nice spot. I like that they got two actual unprotected firsts here, plus the first from the Milwaukee trade. Um, for the pick swaps, I really hope somehow them in Milwaukee end up just one pick apart, because that would be hilarious. And then, I mean, come trade deadline, I could see him being like, hey, who wants... I mean, he's 30 years old, but he can add some great depth scoring who wants a Malcolm Brogdon you know maybe who I don't I think Robert Williams will probably be there for a while um and I don't think anybody's gonna want the eight in contracts and I don't know if Portland's really looking into moving that but I definitely see Malcolm Brogdon as a good uh trade chip come deadline yeah so um I gave Mike in the alphabet welcomes after s t yep the trailblazers ah there you go, very good yeah. so I gave them a b plus um I think they did what they could they got a lot of juice out of the squeeze, you know? Dame wanted out. Dame wanted to only go to Miami. Once the Miami thing fell through, Dame wanted to stay in Portland. But, you know, you can't fuck around without finding out, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
I do think they still have trade pieces, so I guess maybe I should have given them like an incomplete or a W. What do you get in college when you drop out of a class? Is that a W? Is that an N? Something like that, right? Yeah, something like that. If you like correctly drop the class. Yeah. If you just stop showing up, you fail. <laughs> not, so not, I'm giving, not that I'm speaking from experience or anything. But. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm giving them a, I, I gave them a B plus, but really their grade's an incomplete. I do think that their trade pieces are still. DeAndre Ayton, who's maybe 25, 26 years old, second contract, very expensive center. Maybe he could get moved. Jeremy Grant, who's for sure, but because of their recent contract negotiations with him and their trade, uh, he can't be moved until December 15th. Malcolm Brogdon is a for sure. Matisse Thibel's a maybe. Once again, can't move him until December 15th because the NBA's got weird fucking salary cap rules. And he'll lose his bird rights if he gets traded because he only has a one-year extension. So that's going to be a whole thing. And then way at the fucking bottom of their roster is Justice Winslow, who I also think is a trade piece. Ooh, yeah, but, I didn't know he was there. Yeah, me either. But I think that this is Scoot Henderson's team now. Mm -hmm. I think that they have a lot of young talent that could be good in the near future. And I think they can be a more complete team. I mean, their height under Dame was they got crushed in a Western Conference Finals. And that was with CJ McCollum and Dame. And so they're building back a little bigger. I mean, Scoot Henderson's probably going to be the centerpiece. He's a bigger, you know, he's like a three. And that's what you want in the modern NBA is you want your best player to be a wing or a center. But yeah, so, so I, I have those five pieces that I think are actual trade chips for them. Yeah, this uh, like Dame Hall could just really expand as far as future assets go by the time it's all said and done. R remind me because, you know, we're coming, getting up to the regular season. My uh, basketball brain has been off. I've turned that part of the brain off for the last few months. Is uh, the babyface killer Anthony Simons still in Portland? Still in Portland. Uh, that, that's whose team this is. Move over, Scoot. It's, it's, it's fucking Anthony time. Um, I think Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, and Scoot Henderson are really the, the core of that team with a close four. Like, it's like those three and then a, a quarter of a tier below is uh, Kevin Knox the second. So that's, that's probably who they're building around. Nothing, nothing on Kevin Knox. You're the Knicks fan. Uh, I just erased him from my memory. <laughs> Forgot he existed just, until right now. Just like the Phil Jackson years, I've just erased it. It never happened. Him and his fucking conjoined triangles of success, or whatever it was called. <laughs> fucking loser. <laughs> uh, any any final thoughts on this trade there, Mike? Anything I didn't cover that you think is important? Uh, no, in I think you Portland. covered you covered it all. All right, then you want to talk about some professional wrestling? Nope. That's huh. not the podcast, you huh. idiot. Oh, Jeremy Grant's still there, too, honey. That's what I said. Were you not listening to me? That's one of the trade pieces. They can't trade him until December 15th, but yeah, that's gotcha. one of the trade pieces. Yeah, sorry. All right, Mike. As everyone who knows who's listening, this is Monday morning right now. We are currently in Monday morning. It is Monday morning as of right now. And as such, we got some Monday morning headlines for you. Mike, mm -hmm. let, me, uh, let me get a, a little, give you a little taste of one of my headlines here. Hit me. Strike lines. Huh? There's a lot of strikes going on now, you know? Everyone's on strike. I was going to make it picket lines, because that's like the more common phrase. But I'm not talking about the Steelers here, so I didn't want right. to make it picket lines. All right, you got, you got to smart me up on the strike lines, because I'm not getting where you're going. Okay. Uh, just don't bet week five. Okay. Don't bet at all in the NFL in week five. Let me give you some of these lines, all right? These lines are fucking terrible. The Bills flying to London to play the Jags who have been there a week. 
Bills minus five and a half. What side do you bet there? The Bills are obviously a superior team, but they're flying to London. Mm-hmm. That's such a stay away. Don't bet the Bills. Next up, Atlanta minus one and a half flying back from London against the resurgent Houston Texans. Who are you betting line? there? One and a half. One and a half? That's ridiculous. I mean, I think Houston is a way better. I mean, I think they're I think, a way better team. But that's the thing, right? Like, I think Houston has been playing better. I think Atlanta has more talent. I think Atlanta probably has a better coach, even if it's marginal. But they're flying back from London. The game is in Atlanta. They have the more experienced coach for sure in Atlanta. I think that, that will probably be a big Bijan day. Yeah. Yeah. I got no idea what to bet on that one. Miami, mm-hmm. minus nine and a half at home against the Giants, who have yet to play in week four. Miami blew out a bad team by 50 points. The Giants are probably a bad football team, but we have no idea what's going to happen tonight. A nine and a half point line is still big in the NFL. The fuck do you bet on that? Baltimore at Pittsburgh opened. This line opened Baltimore minus one. Now it's up to Baltimore minus four and a half. It's Monday and this line moved three and a half points. I feel like there's going to be, not to go backwards, but to one of your previous points, but I feel like that nine and a half is a lot for Miami. And that's going to be like kind of a big pressure, not like a big pressure game, but you know, they're going to want to come out and like smack the shit out of the next team to show that they're like still legit. They just had a bad week, you know, but and we'll I talk think more about them will, later. They probably will smack the shit out of the giants, but nine and a half is a huge fucking line in the NFL, man. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati minus three at Arizona. Arizona didn't cover a 14 point spread this week. Kansas city minus five and a half at Minnesota. Minnesota has one win, but there's no receivers on Kansas City and the Jets plus two and a half at Denver. That's fucking stay away if I ever saw one. Um, I mean, the Cardinals didn't cover this week, but hey, they are three and one against the spread. But it was a 14 point spread and they didn't cover. Yeah, so they didn't cover a three. They didn't cover a 14 point spread and you want me to bet on Cardinals plus three against the Super Bowl team. Well, I mean... It's one of my headlines that the Bengals are cooked. They're not making the playoffs this year. So, you know how I feel. Damn, you're going full not making the playoffs. That's further than a headline. That's like a hot take. Hot take headlines here on Monday morning. Monday morning hot take headlines, as we call them. Yeah. I have no faith in the Bengals. I mean, they score three on a team that's given up 27 points in the last three weeks. 211 total yards of offense. Like, I get it. Burrow apparently has, like, the worst calf strain ever to strain a calf. But they're just playing on bad on all phases of the ball. Carl Anthony Towns missed 52 games with a calf strain last year. Well, that, okay, so if it's really so rough, like, why is Burrow playing? Because he's a tough guy? I don't know, man. You, you see Jamar Chase complaining in the locker room after the game on Sunday? Uh, I vaguely heard something about that. What do you say? He's like, I'm open. I'm open every play. Oh, shit. Calling out Joe Cool. And T. Higgins is out. Yeah, I mean... 20, 30, 165, 165 yards from Joe Burrow. Come on, man. Like, it's just not, it's that's not going to turn around like that. So, I mean, if he's so hurt, you just sign Trevor Simeon, put him in. Trevor Simeon? Mm -hmm. Why Trevor Simeon? I have no idea they assigned him, but either that or like. They signed him, I thought the Jets just signed him. Is everyone just signing Trevor Simeon? oh, Oh, did the Jets sign him? Maybe I got. My poor quarterback play seems confused. I apologize. Whoa, poor quarterback play. Zach Wilson played out of his fucking mind last night. Oh, yeah. I got a a point about that as well. If you want to talk about it now. 
Uh, if you have the headline, I don't have anything specifically on so, Zach Wilson. This just kind of combines into two things. Uh, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson both played the games of their lives. Uh, Justin Fields finally gets a fir- his first 300-yard game, I think, what, a week after everybody was picking on him because C.J. Stroud was, like, the first Ohio State quarterback to get have a 300-yard game when uh, Justin Fields had, like, a two-season two th- two head start on him. Uh, he's playing out of his mind, and then the defense is like, oh, we're the Bears. That's right. We suck. And blow a 21-point lead. They were up 28-7 with four minutes left in the third. It's not like they came out of half and Denver started going. They went until, went, waited until late in the third to get moving. And then it was like a great day for Fields. And then he throws the game ceiling pick. Like that, that's a bummer. And then even like Zach Wilson. So I, I took a look at this. Okay, so not only did he have two touchdowns and interceptions, 245 yards. Three big time throws to no turnover worthy plays. Like Zach Wilson was out of his mind. He wasn't seeing ghosts. He was seeing the opposite humans i guess i don't know living people but he was just on it wait 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 wait. what's the th- fucking thing from kingdom hearts it's like a body with no spirit nobodies there you go yeah he's he was seeing nobodies out there he was treating he was treating the chief secondary like a bunch of nobodies his 73.4 passer grade second highest of his career and only the third time he's gotten over 70 for a game uh but then same thing with him he has the costly fumble like halfway through the fourth and then they just never got the ball back I heard a theory that it was because Donna Kelsey was in, att- was in attendance and he was trying to impress her. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It was Milf Island style. Yeah, yeah that, uh, that, the Christmas Bowl last night was kind of a wild game for all of our priors. I mean, you know, Kansas City, you feel so lucky they got out of that one alive after the Sauce Gardener hold-in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just kind of shows us what I think we all already knew, even when Rodgers went down, that because it's been the case, I mean, they won the first game, even though that was... In Albatross. Against who was that again? Who they win the first game against? Uh, the best team in the AFC. Um, and then they didn't against the Dolphins, they haven't played the Dolphins yet. <laughs> oh, just wait, brother. I got a lot to say about that later. Um, you know, and then they were in it against New England, and they were in it in this one. Like that defense, Quinn and Williams played out of his fucking mind yesterday, dude. Played so good, and like they, that defense going to keep them in games. So who knows what's going to happen? So while we're we're adjacent to this topic. Adjace, as they say in the biz. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want to give you another one of my headlines. Okay. Mike, who is the current best offense in the league? I'm going to give you four options. Okay. Number one, the Miami Dolphins. Number two, the Buffalo Bills. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs with any receiver. Or number four, whoever the Denver Broncos play. Which one of those are you taking on a given week to score the most points? So, for fun, I'm going to rank them. I'm putting the Chiefs fourth. All right? Fair. I, I think that it's, it's all Kelsey, and it's all Mahomes, and if, he has, if Mahomes has to start making throws to his receivers, it, it's going to be a problem. Not, not because of him, because of the receivers. Uh, third, this is tough. I'm going to say Dolphins. It's going to sound like a homer pick. Um, but they played a rough game. I, I just, I like, obviously, once again, homer, I like the all-around offense that I think Buffalo has now, and I think, obviously, San Francisco has. It'll be interesting when San Francisco gets into a game where it's kind of like nut-up-or-shut-up time to see how that offense will, you know, uh, execute. Um, that's tough. Maybe I... Oh, God. 
you could any one of those leftover three you could pick and you'd have an argument. I'm gonna say Buffalo, San Fran, then Miami. But I think those three are a solid step ahead of Kansas City at this point in the year. You really took out the actual best offense in the league that I named there, which is whoever the Denver Broncos play against. That's right. I forgot about that. Mike, do you know that if you look at week-to-week comparison, the largest point differential from one week to the next is from the week that a team plays the Broncos to the next week when they don't play the Broncos? Yeah, I mean, it was a, what was it, a 50-point scoring differential for Miami? Yeah. Yeah, it is the largest decrease in week over week scoring in the NFL so far has been the week a team plays the Broncos to the next week. Like, even look at the Commanders. Commanders scored 35 against the Broncos. The next week, three. Yeah, I know Like they played basically like a solid fourth quarter, but even though they got the dub, is like, how safe do you feel if you're Vance Joseph? Like, I don't, I'm just surprised. Oh my god, yeah. Patrick Sertan should be the only person involved with that side of the ball who shouldn't be worried about their job. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike, I got two more headlines for you. You want to talk about the AFC or the NFC? Um, All headlines I still have are AFC, so let's go NFC. All right. Mapletron. Chase Claypool. Yeah. Just want to recap here. For those of you who uh, weren't paying attention last year, the Bears traded away their 2023 second round pick to acquire Chase Claypool. After Miami were dirty cheaters, that pick became the 32nd pick overall, also known as, in most years, the final pick of the first round. So, with that, the the final pick there, uh, who is it Pittsburgh took? They took that that, that corner. Who, Joey Porter. Joey Porter. They took Joey Porter with the 32nd pick. Since the Bears have traded for Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool has had 10 games in which he's played 43 targets, 18 receptions. 18 receptions on 43 targets. Not all Chase Claypool's fault. He's had plenty of drops, but also bad quarterbacking. 18 receptions, 191 yards, and one touchdown. That's like a good one game from Keenan Allen. Has been 10 games that Chase Claypool has played. Mm-hmm. 30% success rate when Chase Claypool is targeted. That means 30% of the time that you throw a pass to Chase Claypool is a positive EPA play. Hmm. 30%. There is no wide receiver who comes even close to that number. In 2022, I couldn't find a way to break it down when he was only with Chicago. So in general, in 2022, he had a 61.8 grade. That includes his time with Pittsburgh. Now, if you don't know the way PFF grading works is when you start, you have a grade of 60. And every positive play increases by some and every negative play decreases by some. Which means if no one had played with Chase Claypool, they would have lost a marginal amount of production. It was better to just have a standard nobody there than the guy you traded the 32nd pick in the draft for. So far in 2023, 53.3 grade, which means that if you just had the most average wide receiver you could think of, quick, Mike, most average wide receiver you can think of. Brandon Cooks. Way above average. How dare you? I'm sorry. If you took Uh, just Joshua Palmer, 
There you go. That's, that's a good pick. And put him in Chase Claypool's spot, you would have had more success. And Josh Palmer ain't going to cost you the 32nd pick in the draft. No. Then this week, Chase Claypool was a healthy scratch, and the Bears staff told him to stay home. And on that week, Justin Fields had an 80% completion percentage. 80% completion percentage. 335 yards, four touchdowns, and a 132.7 quarterback rating. Mapletron. And now, I guess the word is they're trying to trade Claypool, and they're not going to get what they gave up for him. <laughs> so I, You think they'll get the 31st pick in the draft for that? No, they're probably going to be getting, like, I don't, I don't even know if they'll get a day two pick. If they like, send... If they send away Claypool in a seventh, do you think they get back a fifth? That That's probably like their best case scenario at this point is what they're hoping to do. In the second all that news came out, I immediately thought of you because you've been on the Claypool trade since the day it happened. It was the worst trade, man. Yeah. The 32nd pick for Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool wasn't even the 32nd pick in the draft. Like, when he was drafted, he wasn't even worth the 32nd pick. And he hasn't been as good as he was at Notre Dame for a second in the NFL. Yeah. Big body. Solid speed. You'd think he would be able to... And for, like, a small window of time his rookie season, it was like, oh, the Steelers got something. People kept talking about how the Steelers just always hit on, like, mid-round wide receivers. And then it just... It tanked. And they were like, oh, maybe it's a picket thing. And he goes to Chicago, and it's like, oh, no. I mean, I know Fields is no upgrade, but probably a claypool thing sorry about it bud all right i mean i could i could rant about the chase claypool trade forever but instead mike you got another headline yeah um afc north going into the season i think a lot of people felt confident they could send two teams they're only sending one team to the playoffs that team is i guess baltimore by default yeah like but even then so like lamar bounces back 15 and 19 he got like the dual threat i mean he didn't tear it up on the ground yards wise but he does get four total touchdowns two each so he kind of gets going loses one fumble again though loses one fumble again though gotta work on them turnovers um dude how is a, a jim harbaugh team or john harbaugh team getting penalized nine times for them on the offensive line like he has to be pulling whatever hair he has left out you see the Juwan taylor on is it Juwan taylor oh, i can't remember who it is now uh Juwan thomas it's something thomas on the Chiefs offensive line, got penalized like four times last night alone. Like one did player did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like every year during the offseason, it's like they set out to like improve their skill position players and the season starts, everybody gets hurt and it's just like Lamar and Mark Andrews once again. <laughs> like it's just unfortunate, but I mean, they have Lamar. Bengals look rough. Steelers look really rough. And I mean... The Browns are just defense. So I guess by default, Baltimore is going to be the one AFC North uh, representative. You want to know what I think? Truly in my soul right now. Mm -hmm. I think Lamar is going to have a better season than his MVP season. I hope so. I've been on the Lamar bounce back. You know, I, I thought it was going to be the last season. It wasn't. I really want it to be this year. I had a lot of, a lot of my priors were on Baltimore to, to shit smack um, at least two of those teams in the division and then be right there with Cincinnati to win it. So. Let me also say this. While we're talking about Baltimore, it was so dumb that that line was ever in Cleveland's favor going into the game. Oh, it doesn't even matter that, like, after Deshaun was out, it switched over to the Lamar side of things. It was dumb in the first place that that was on Cleveland's side of things. I get it. Their yeah. defense is great. Deshaun's looked fucking terrible. Yeah, and, and that I mean, offense. Not from a PR perspective. Like, he's always <sighs> looked terrible. Like, he's been a bad football player on top of the sexual assault. 
I oh, and like that offense is dead now. Like Chubb was that offense, and Jerome Ford ain't cutting it. Kareem Hunt ain't cutting it. Like it could be five Fords and eight Hunts, and they're still not equaling a single Chubb. So I know what you just said, but it sounded like a poem. <laughs> you got a. You said you had an AFC headline for me now. Well, real quick before we get off the AFC North, mm-hmm. just to to go through the other teams. Pittsburgh was supposed to be so good. Dude, pick is Pickett bad? Is that what like is Pickett like bad? I think I mean last season with the starting time he had, it was like, oh, you know, they might have something here. And he like played the good preseason, you know, and they made some good moves and we we're like, yeah, Pittsburgh, like they can definitely get in the playoffs this year. And talk about a sophomore slump. Pickett's look really bad. Yeah, um, now he's injured and they got Titty kissing Trubisky back in there. I mean, he backed up Allen, and I always have a soft spot for Allen backups, so I'm rooting for the kitty, the kitty kisser, the titty kisser. And then Cincinnati, man, like, if Joe Burrow's calf is affecting him as much as it seems to be by the numbers, you gotta be real worried if you're Zach Taylor right now. Yeah. Three points against the Titans. I thought this game was gonna be, like, boring, like, 13-3 Cincinnati on, like, a game-winning McPherson field goal and it was even worse than that because I mean Derrick Henry just start, started popping off Tannehill didn't cost him the game and it was just terrible if you uh if you are a Bengals fan worst Tigers I've seen play football all weekend and LSU somehow lost hey oh hey oh did you see the the whole Derrick Henry sequence when he threw the touchdown yeah did you see the play prior to that yeah so they line up under center with Derrick Henry taking the snap. And Cincinnati calls a timeout. You're like, okay. They see the trick play coming. They're going to adjust everything and get back to it. Coming out of the timeout, Tennessee just runs the same play. They just have Derrick Henry under center again. And the the Bengals were shocked by this. (laughs) Like, they saw it. They called a timeout. They came back out and were shocked that Derrick Henry was under center. They think if they called the timeout, Tennessee would be like, "Oh, now they know what we're like what we're gonna do." So, yes, we, we, so. We, we didn't catch them off guard. So let's change the, the game plan. But they yeah. were doing that thing where like the middle linebacker obviously got like the audible in from the coach and like the headset and was like trying to move people around and was like telling like the safeties to spread out and they snapped the ball and there's just a dude wide open in the back of the end zone. Derrick Henry jumped in the air and threw uh-huh. a touchdown for that. A little jump pass. Yeah, like that's how much. Tennessee like had no respect for the Bengals this weekend. No respect. They had no respect. They were like, no "Oh, you call a timeout? Yeah, we're still running the same play, and it's still gonna work." You know, you I'm adding. It. I'm adding a, a new award on. Okay. I don't have any notes for or anything. The Rodney Dangerfield No Respect Award this week goes mm. to Cincinnati. One for not giving any respect to Tennessee, and two because I'm not really respecting this team anymore as a serious Super Bowl contender. Yeah, they got, they got no respect, and like Burrow. It was like atrocious game one. Game two he and three, he wasn't great, but he wasn't like a detriment really. But this game, I felt like he was because he just couldn't get the offense going. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, everybody was like, oh, they lost the first two. But last year, last year, last year. And I think, all right, well, now they're one and three, bud. So one and three and Baltimore is the inverse of that. Baltimore has a chance of running away with this shit. Absolutely. All right, my, my last headline, the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. Mike, I'm Wait, giving what? out. What's up? <laughs> the Houston Rockets. That's the headline. Okay. I'm giving out 
the yearly talent award, talent award, talent alone rocket to the Houston Texans. Strap a rocket on them. They're going straight to the top, brother. Plus 44 point difference in the last two games. Five and a half preseason win over under. Currently sitting at two and two. As of right now, they have the 13th pick in the draft, which they unfortunately trade to Arizona for the Will Anderson trade. And they have the Browns pick, which currently sits at 14th. So right now they're picking in the middle of the first round. Mike, are the Texans going to win too many games to get Marvin Harrison Jr. in the building? Oh, for sure. These Texans, I mean, they're about to they're about to uh they're about to leave the frisky category into whatever is above that. Like I, I don't know. I know. Yeah, like they're they may not be frisky. They're 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 a problem for teams. Uh these I Texans mean, were a problem. All of us here were standing up and cheering in the Stroud crowd. What a day for him. His first touchdown was technically like three touchdowns by the time they gave it to him. Nico had I, himself a day. Tank Dell had himself a day. I have Stroud crowd written down somewhere in here. I don't even remember where anymore, but I have Stroud crowd written down on something. Got to get thing. that name Stroud crowd. Yeah. You right, Mike, you it. got a, you got another headline for me? Yeah. So I got a headline and then I got a little bit of a rant. I got to go on. So what about Stephen A. Smith again. No. I mean, unless you want to talk about it later. I mean, can I, can I talk about Bill's Dolphins now? Can we get to it? Is this, is this part of your headline? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. I'm going to go Bills? take like a 15, 20 minute walk. Bills. You know, you know what they did this week? They pulled a straight iron cheek and they humbled those Miami Dolphins. All right. I said if you're gonna you you know you're gonna you're gonna go after the king, you best not missed. They missed. They Charlie Brown whiffed. And uh I I mean I can't I can't say how proud I am of our defense and the way they played. McDermott wasn't scared. He dialed up uh, blitzes like nine times. We got pressure on Tua. So Tua through like the first uh, few games, he had 16 passes, 16 20 plus yard attempts stretching the field. Uh, only two in this game. The Bills were kind of like, all right, I tell you what, we're either going to get pressure on you for an incompletion, or you're going to get like nine to 15 yards, but you ain't going deep on us. You're not burning us. We're just not going to let it happen. Now, it looked like uh, Achan was just going to kick us around all day early on, but luckily that that settled down as game script change. Can we talk about Daquan Jones? I got to talk about Daquan Jones here. This dude had a 32.1% win rate, sacked, QB hit, five hurries. Like, 32-year-old Daquan Jones having himself a day. Milano was locked in, dude. I mean, he just played so good. Um, yeah, Bills just didn't go safe on either side of the ball. I think there was a lot of curiosity if they were going to go run heavy and really try to go slow and kill the clock. And I feel like they came out, and they're like, no, you want to go You want to go fast? You, you want to, like, have a little shootout? Let's do it. But also, what helped them is this running game was effective. They didn't completely abandon it. They were doing it and they were picking up like decent, like, you know, four yard gains, which was just helping them not fall behind in the, uh, the stereotypical term, the down and distance. Um, Stefan Diggs is him. All right. My, my man might have like literally got, uh, Coho kicked out of the NFL. His career might be done. <laughs> oh my God. It was brutal, man. It was like watching a murder over and over again. It was like three plays, a drive minimum. Just yeah, you'd see Josh Allen like walk up to the ball and he'd just like be like, "There's Coho, there's Diggs, know where I'm going with this shit." Every time, uh, yeah, he, he, Diggs totaled uh 120 and three touchdowns on the day, but against Coho, he had four of those receptions for 101 yards, two touchdowns, and four first downs. <laughs> like he just ruined that poor kid's career. Uh, Coho had a 28.7 coverage grade against him. I kind of started to feel bad for him. 
Like I thought at some point they were going to line up and he was going to see Diggs and just start crying. <laughs> like, would he have more success if he had just laid on the ground and hoped that Diggs tripped over him on the way past? Yes. Just like try to like tabletop him or something. Yeah. <laughs> Take just get 15. behind him and get Jalen Ramsey to run on the field and push him over. Yeah. I mean, Ramsey and uh, or Ramsey wasn't playing, but Howard, playing. Yeah. Howard and Diggs. I mean, there was only one target where they went to when it was Howard and Diggs. So they just like played the matchups well. Um, also, throw a little shade. Uh, my boy Diggs is a real fucking receiver. He's not some gimmick fast dude who just runs slants into the middle um, like Tyree Kill. He also doesn't hit women, so he's just all around a better person than Tyree Hill. Tyree Kill, uh, three of four, 85 yards, two touchdowns on the outside. He's a real receiver. All right. He's playing on the outside. He's going down the sideline. Um, Josh Allen. We'll finally get to it, and then I'll wrap up here. Josh Allen, he's back in the MVP talk. All right. Not just back, back in there. The favorite. The favorite. All right. 21 to 25, 324 touchdowns. You know an offense is clicking if you put up big numbers and you keep your quarterback like under the 30 passing attempt mark. Like, that's a good fucking day. That's pretty good. All right. That's pretty good for me. Uh four touchdowns. He also his last touchdown, that run, that was just a total fuck you touchdown. They like didn't need to have it. Josh just took it in just to say fuck you. And uh we still run this division. Last two games, my guy has six big-time throws, only two sacks, has totally rebounded after the, the Jets game. It was just, it was a great day. We walked in there, Tua looked at us, and we said, sit down, be humble, took care of business. <laughs> yeah, uh, Josh Allen's day was absolutely ridiculous. Um, he had, I, I saw the stat in an article I was reading, he had 23 throws within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage, which is not what he's known for. It was a lot of short game. It was the kind of stuff that you want to see out of Josh Allen and you rarely do. And that opened up the deep stuff. So 23 throws within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. The success rate on those, which means that plays that gave a positive EPA result. So the success rate on throws within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage, 83%. 83% of the time they threw it within 20 yards, it added expected points. Yeah, uh, can you know what? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Give it to me. Uh, I was just going to say, Something I love about the Diggs and Allen combo, and I'd have to look more into it. And I know, like, the Jets game stands out in some of the games down the stretch last year where, you know, we got kind of beat up and had some stuff going. Um, might not follow this narrative, but Allen's like a primetime player. He shows up in primetime. Him and Diggs do. Like, when a big opposition or opponent comes to town or we go to them, they, they're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Alan knows what the spotlight is. You just got to hope that he keeps up this thing where being a hyper-efficient passer is more important than being the guy who chucks it 40 air yards downfield. He also had a success rate of 69% on Sunday. Nice. Thank you. Which means positive EPA on 69% of dropbacks. That's the second best mark of his career. I didn't look this up, but if I had to guess what the best mark of his career would be would it be that Patriots wild card round where they had like a perfect game you think oh probably they, they had like seven possessions six touchdowns and a kneel this was the closest game I saw to that performance from that Patriots game which once again you know what was a staple of that game mm-hmm. it was the quick throws it was like mm-hmm. the rhythm throw a an 11 yard out route to Stefan Diggs yeah yeah just uh, an unreal game from Josh Allen that launched him into the top of the MVP conversation and with good reason. This is one of those games where you're like, oh, you know what? 
there is a quarterback competing with Patrick Mahomes to be the best in the league. Josh Allen puts on performances like this that are Mahomes and further-esque sometimes. You just got to hope that he doesn't get in his head and go, yeah, but what if I spend a game trying to throw 60-yard bombs to Gabe Dave in double coverage? Yeah. I, two more quick points I want to make. One you just made me think of is I appreciate the Jets making Mahomes have kind of a rough day because now it's like, see, it wasn't just us, all right? <laughs> it's a tough defense. Give us a fucking break. Um, and the other is that obviously there is a bit of a damper on the big dub with Tremaine Edmonds, what it appears to be like blown out his Achilles or whatever. It doesn't um, appear to be. It is. Been confirmed. It is, yeah. Um, so that sucks. We went into the game and Poyer was down. Uh, Micah Hyde did step up. Get that INT. Let's go, Micah. Um, Christian, Benf- Christian Benford was dealing with injuries during it. Like There was a point where I was like, I don't think we have any more corners left to play the game. <laughs> like, it- So the secondary is going to be uh, a cause for concern going forward. But hey, we get Vaughn back. Hopefully it just becomes a thing where it's like, we're just going to, you know, we're going to get to the quarterback cause an incompletion or get a sack or, you know, they're going to get a first down. What can we do? Yeah. And you guys have the guns to keep up on offense. So you just need a few stops a game, really. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, you got a, a rant you want to go on there or. Oh yeah. I just wanted to say, um, cause you sent me that text earlier. Yeah. To be more specific. Oh, you sent me that screenshot of someone going after Bryce Young. Oh yeah. As Ben Solak's hot read article. Uh, Benjamin Solak. Every Sunday night to Monday morning. Okay, I do like his coverage of NFL. He's a pretty smart dude. Um, Richardson had a good day, obviously. CJ Stroud had a phenomenal day, obviously. Stroud crowd! Stroud crowd, stand up. Uh, Bryce Young. Let's calm down, people. All right? He didn't have, like, a phenomenal game. Didn't even have a good game. It was his best game in many categories. Uh, Completion percentage. Not something I'd be bragging about, is that he had a bad game, and it was his best game in categories. The point is that he's... It was some slight improvements in areas like completion percentage. Uh, low, he finally, something I really liked was that it was his lowest time to throw. 3.2 game one, 3.19 game two, and down to 2.43 here. Getting, out of the, getting rid of the ball a little sooner, which is good. And also, like, people, do we remember when we used to, like, actually give rookie quarterbacks time to develop and we didn't, like, four games into the season just be like, it's done. He's cooked. I mean, Josh took time. Mahomes and Lamar sat out their first season. Hurts. Go back and look. Rough first season. Trevor Lawrence struggled under the the doomsday situation that was Urban Meyer. Matt Stafford's rookie year, he went two for eight, had a 45.8 PFF grade, 13 touchdowns to 20 interceptions. Like, it's terrible. You can go even farther back in history. Manning and Favre, god-awful rookie years. Alex Smith, which people are going to roll their eyes at, at me using him as a comparison, but he was also a number one overall pick, really struggled. And then if you go back and actually, like, remember, it's, you know, not, like, recency biased. Um, his like latter San Francisco career and his Kansas City career, he was a top ten quarterback in the league. So let's. let's I want to say everybody, calm down and let's give my boy a little more time. No, washed. Oh, but speaking of our boys, I do want to give a shout out to Deron Bland, currently leading the league with sixteen interceptions. Let's go. <laughs> he was fucking flying around on Sunday, man. Mm-hmm. All right, is that uh is that all your ranting done? Can we move on to other yeah. things, or you want to? Try to defend the guy that's too small to play in the NFL a little more. Now let's get to uh, we talk about some awards watches. Yeah, so I, uh, as an NFL consumer and as many sports consumer, one of my favorite conversations to talk about is end of season awards. Yeah, mm-hmm. largely meaningless, and there's a lot of disclaimers you have to give before you mm-hmm. talk about these things. 
because they're they're skewed by things like narrative and national TV spotlight and priors and win totals and things of that nature. But fuck, man, do I love award history and talking about award watches. So, as it is now uh, week four, I believe it's time for us to check the state of some of the major awards in the NFL currently. So we're going to talk about the MVP, the Defensive Player of the Year, the Rookies of the Year, and the Coach of the Year. Oh. What's up, buddy? So when I was like, I looked at the rundown and I typed up my notes, I accidentally put COI. And so I was like, comeback player of the year? He wants to talk about that? All right. But uh, coach of the year, don't worry. I, 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 can, I got something in the, in the okay. chamber. So we'll start off here. Uh, we'll go MVP and we'll go down the list. Mm-hmm. So just to give you reference on who typically wins the MVP, it is typically a one or two seed with to- 12 plus wins. It's always a quarterback. And for like seven of the last nine seasons, it's been the player with the highest EPA per play. So if we break that down a little bit further, the current one or two seeds, because it's week four, a lot of these people are tied, so I want the top three seeds in each conference. Top three seeds in the AFC, the teams you're familiar with, Chiefs, Ravens, Bills, so that's by certain tiebreakers, that's who we find to be the top three seeds right now. Top three seeds in the NFC. Mike, I'm going to give you two of the top three seeds, and I want you to guess the third. Okay. Eagles and 49ers. Mike, who is the third seed currently? In the NFC. Is this like kind of like a I'd be surprised to hear it situation? You would be surprised to hear it situation. You'd be surprised to hear it situation. It's the Washington Commanders. <laughs> Is the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dude, Baker Mayfield revenge tour. Let's go. So then go into the highest EPA per play. Currently the top three players in EPA per play. Tua Tungavailoa, Brock Purdy, Josh Allen. One of those things is not like the other. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why Josh Allen is on that list. Shut up. I hate you. <laughs> Looking at the odds, uh-huh. looking at the odds, uh, currently Josh Allen leads the field after Sunday at plus 380. Tua is second place, f- plus 500. Mahomes, plus 550. Jalen Hurts, plus 700. That is way too high. That is all based off priors. Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. not a good start to the year. No. And Lamar Jackson, plus 1100. Mike, currently, week four, who is your pick for the MVP? I mean, what? rewind the podcast five to ten minutes ago. It's Josh Allen, hands down. Yeah. Yeah, just hit back a few times. Uh, if I had to take a long shot bet, given the current odds, I like the Lamar Jackson plus 1,100. I think he's playing really well. And once some other aspects of the offense catch up to him, once they catch an easier defensive schedule, I think we'll start seeing him climb the rankings there. What's up, I do want to say that I would love to see like a McCaffrey or someone non-QB at least make it into the conversation. Yeah, because uh, it is McCaffrey, McCaffrey is the next person after Lamar. I just refuse to have conversations about players who aren't going to win the MVP. Because it's it's basically just like a running or a quarterback award at this point, so I'm always kind of rooting for a non QB to get at least get into the conversation. A non QB does not win this award. This award is a QB award now. This is in the 1990s where Barry Sanders is getting like 412 carries a season, and no one knows who plays quarterback for the Detroit Lions. This is 2023. The offense is the quarterback full stop. Like, the only two exceptions to that are Tua, who is definitely not as good as a situation, but not, like, as disparate, I think. I think Tua is better than we gave him credit for initially, but worse than he would be with other coaches. Mm-hmm. And Brock Purdy, who is just a Shanahan puppet, but he's not making mistakes, and that's worth something. Yeah, I... uh 
And you think about it, like if Derrick Henry in one of his like God mode years didn't even like come close to getting it, then like it's kind of tough to think a another non QB ever will. Yeah, yeah, and fuck anyone who makes picks on defensive players to win it. I don't care if you're the best pass rusher in the league. You don't affect the game enough to be the most valuable player. Anytime a defensive player is in Heisman conversation, I just go all in on him. <laughs> That's such an old man argument. It's just like, it like literally, like if you look at the words, most valuable player, the player that adds the most value is never a defensive player. Yeah. Never. I'm just a natural uh, contrarian. I'm a deep thinker. I'm a philosopher. You know, yeah, you're just a fucking old man. That's your problem. God damn it. Next award. Yeah. Next award. Defensive player of the year. Seven of the last eight winners have been on the defensive line. The only one who wasn't was that crazy Stephon Gilmore season in New England. They either lead the league in QB pressures or they're Aaron Donald, who typically comes in the area between like third to fifth in QB pressures, but is playing like zero or one tech the whole season and defeating double blockers. Um, As far as I see it, the real candidates here, the pressure leaders currently in the NFL Aiden Hutchinson, TJ Watt, Josh Allen, Miles Garrett. And if you look at the odds, the odds on favorites currently, Micah Parsons plus 200, Miles Garrett plus 350, TJ Watt plus 425, Nick Bosa plus 2000, Aiden Hutchinson plus 2800. Mike, who is your current pick for defensive player of the year? Dude, I don't I don't like the team, but it's got to be Miles Garrett, man. It's got to be Miles Garrett. <laughs> I mean, this dude's this dude 107 pass rushes. He's rocking a 32% win rate. That's just shy of 35 times he's uh, he's beaten whatever jabronis tried to stop him from pressuring the QB. Six hits, six sacks, one hurry. He's part of a Cleveland defense that literally is the only thing going right for that team. It's It's got to be Garrett. Uh, I'm prone to agree with you. I think that at some point we get the Micah Parsons one just because he's so good year over year. But you can make the same argument for Miles Garrett. Like You got to give it to one of those two guys. You can't give it to TJ Watt or Nick Bosa. Like, this is not a repeat winner award very often, except for Aaron Donald. I'll say, Aiden Hutchinson, kind of frisky at plus 2,800. I'm not the biggest Aiden Hutchinson guy in the world, but he's currently leading the NFL in pressures. Yeah, Hutchinson's had a great yard to the start to the year. And also, like you said, they don't often do repeat winners, but it would be kind of cool because Aaron Donald, once again, is still like a menace to society. Yeah, um, he's back. He had a bad year last year or a down yeah. year last year. And this year, you're right. He's a menace to society. Um, I mean, who didn't have a down year in LA last season? So it would be LA. it would be kind of cool to see him get the three peat back to back to back, not back, back to, to back to back, but you know what I mean. <laughs> also, wouldn't it be his fourth time winning the award? I'd have to what, double check it, that. What I think so, Christ. man. So uh, you go, Miles Garrett. You said, yeah, for sure. All right. Next up, the rookies of the year. We'll start with defensive. Mm-hmm. So defensive rookies, the only people who win defensive rookie of the year are a top or a, a top two rounds pick. So you get picked in the first or the second round and you're on a good defense because you're not like defense is so rotational heavy in every position that if you're not picked in the top two rounds, you're not cracking enough snaps to win the award. As far as I see it, there's really only three contenders for this award currently. Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Christian Gonzalez, Jalen Carter's plus 100 already down to even odds on Jalen Carter. Will Anderson plus 600. Christian Gonzalez plus 750. Let's be honest here, Mike. There's one contender for this award. It's yeah, Jalen it. Carter's to lose. Yeah. I mean, that those even odds are absolutely accurate because Jalen Carter, it's playing so good. This man's hurried the QB 16 times in four games. Uh, just shy of a 25% win rate. Um, he leads defensive interior defenseman right now. 
with a 92.2 overall defensive grade. Yeah. Or defensive yeah. lineman. Yeah. Unreal. That's another thing. Interior defensive lineman, and he's already leading the rookie class in sacks, I'm pretty sure. He is. Uh, he has two, but I'm pretty sure that is the lead. Back and half. Uh, and he does have like a much lower snap count than like a Donald's or a Williams, which is probably why that helps him in leading in that uh, overall defensive grade that I just mentioned. But still, he's just he's playing lights out, has just stepped right in and become an amazing country. Now, I, I do want to say this. I fucking love me some Christian Gonzalez. <laughs> and I'll be rooting for him. Unfortunately, he's on a defense that's going to get gassed halfway through games because they're just going to be exhausted from constantly being on the field. And I also do love some fucking Brian Branch. Both those guys I really love, but it's 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 Carter. No, no Emmanuel Forbes. You don't think he's going to win it after yeah. giving up like 200 yards to A.J. Brown this week? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, just a couple more Jalen Carter stats. Uh, one and a half sacks by ESPN, four solo tackles, two forced fumbles. Man's, the man's a monster. What are they calling him? They got a nickname for him, right? Jalen carting you off on a field. Nah, I'll Google it. <laughs> after I get to you, juiced up Jalen. That makes it sound like he's uh, on the gas. Baby Rhino. Baby Rhino, I like it. Yeah, that's what they call him. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, didn't even do research. Stroud crowd, baby. Stroud crowd. Yeah, Plus so I didn't do any research. My immediate thought was Stroud crowd, hands down. Now the other two names I will say can make it interesting. A Chan over there in Miami. If he keeps getting the big chunk plays, I'm sure he'll get you know all the highlights will help him. Also, you got to mention Puka Big Dick Nakua. All right. Big penis Puka. <laughs> Eighth among wide receivers with his receiving grade already. That's all of them. That's not rookies. That's all of them. And he uh, added to his legend with the game-winning tutty this week. Um, you got to at least mention him. And also, I mean, it's not a totally serious answer, but I will forever be a fan of Samuel L. Legit Laporta. Um, th- th- you know, this This man is above 70 in, uh, in his PFF grades for overall receivings and even pass blocking. Even pass blocking. He's he's getting out there and making plays, man. He's he's yeah. knocking fuckers over. Also worth noting, Bijan. I don't know where he is in the the numbers, but he's having a pretty good start to the season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, A Chan is. A Chan's now won the starting job in Miami. It seems he's he's got the most the highest snap count. But fucking Stroud crowd, baby. Voters love quarterbacks, so that obviously is going to help C J Stroud along with how amazing he's playing. Yeah, and offensive rookie of the year isn't as skewed as MVP is. Like other players, definitely win it, but. Stroud crowd, baby. And our final award we're going over, Coach of the Year. Some people claim that this is a first or second year award. Typically, it goes to coaches who outperform their win total significantly and make the playoffs. Brian Dabble, fun fact, first coach to win this award with under 10 wins since the year of our Lord, 1990. Wow. You know who won it in 1990? No. Jim Johnson went 7-9. and nine. Oh, Jesus. That's Coach of the Year? What the fuck was going on in the NFL before I was born? Right. it's rarely a repeat winner there's been a few usually that's when you get to the real like high quality coaches not the one and dones you get like a bill belichick in there every every once in a while mike as i see it here are the real candidates mike mcdaniel the vape lord mike mccarthy the steak lord i know a little chubby uh sean mcveigh resurgent sean mcveigh having a great start to the season and matt lafleur who once again First-year quarterback, outplaying the wins total, what you're kind of looking at. Prior to week four, here are the odds. Once again, very importantly, prior to week four, the odds haven't been posted yet because we still have a game to go tonight. 
Uh, Mike McDaniel, the favorite, plus 400. Dan Campbell, plus 750. Arthur Smith, plus 1,000. Matt LaFleur, plus 1,400. John Harbaugh, plus 1,500. And long shot, Sean McVay, plus 2,000. Here's what I'll say. McDaniel's going to drop. Dan Campbell's going to climb. Arthur Smith's going to drop. Mike, who is winning Coach of the Year? So, yeah, so. Uh, you, uh, you didn't even say the man's name. All right. You didn't say the man's name. And, uh, after he leads the Stroud crowd to an AFC South division title, hands down D'Amico Ryan. Thinking D'Amico Ryan, eh? I'm sure you can get long odds right now and I'd, I'd really like it. Yeah. I think my, my favorite pick right now is Sean McVay. If he keeps playing as well or coaching as well, he's been coaching and mm-hmm. that team keeps rolling. Uh, if they outperform their win total, they, they're getting Cooper cup back either this week or next. You know, Kyron Williams is the new Todd Gurley. If they keep outperforming their wins total and having a better offense than expected, I think that we can see Sean McVay climb up these boards and win his second Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. Mike, you want to... Speaking of Coach of the Year winner, there you go. There's your fucking segue, eh? Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of Coach of the Year candidate, you want to talk about the Falcons of Atlanta? Yeah. Rough game for them. Rough game. Not a great Not game. Great. Bad game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to note, we made a same game parlay going in to this week. And I was half of a Trevor Lawrence touchdown pass away from hitting mine. I wasn't even close on mine. Don't want to talk about it. Plus 2,900 odds. I got the alt spread, right? I got the Bijan over, right? I got Trevor Lawrence passing touchdowns. Almost right. Uh, big Josh Allen game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gets a sack on third and one after a penalty. Gets a second drive-ending sack on a blitz. Uh, some of my other notes from the game. AJ Terrell or Jesse Bates blows a huge coverage and gives Ridley the only touchdown of the game for the Jags, or the only passing touchdown of the game for the Jags. Hmm. ESPN Plus doesn't know who Christian Kirk is. After Calvin Ridley scored, yeah. they put up a logo that said that Christian Kirk scored. <laughs> and then later on commentary, someone called... Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. Oh, it wasn't even Zay Jones. It was like their fucking fourth receiver. They called him Christian Kirk twice. They're, they're like, someone is Christian Kirk. We're not sure who, but someone. There's a player on this team who's Christian Kirk. Uh, Darius Williams gets 60-yard pick six on an interception that Ritter throws every time, where that guy loves to throw the deep crosser pick to the safety. Mm-hmm. Next possession, Ritter throws another pick. It was right after the pick six, stares down Pitts in the middle of the field until Cisco reads it and just picks it off. Just don't let Desmond Ritter throw the middle of the field, man. Make him do the Russell Wilson offense. Just throw outside the numbers every time. Although I don't know if he has the arm strength. Yeah, just don't let him throw in general. Is what they hope they can do, but that's not possible in today's NFL. <laughs> I think the defense played really well. Um, Trey Henderson saves the game by pushing Drake London out of bounds on a touchdown pass. In the end. Falcons lose. Falcons go to Houston next week. Line open at two and a half. It's now down to Falcons minus one and a half over under 41 and a half. Mike, what are your thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons playing in London? Yeah, it wasn't pretty. And it's just way too easy to get them off what they want to do offensively. Get a couple scores ahead. And uh, it's kind of game at that point. I think if they want to go so run heavy, they're going to have to get more creative with how they do it. They're going to start. You start getting like a lot of pre-snap motion. <laughs> to try to get defenses off guard if they want to exceed like that. Uh, next four, like you said, Houston, Washington uh, at home, and then at Tampa, at Tennessee. After they lose to Houston, if they don't go, if they don't go at least two and one in the following three, I think the season's kind of lost at that point. Um, it won't look good for them. So, and I, I do agree. I mean, like you said, 
defense does their best. 23 points per game, which may not blow people away, but when you consider how often they're on the field, it's actually not that bad. Uh, and then I did go ahead because you asked me to. I got the top five graded players here. And the grade I used was the grade on their side of the ball. So offensive or defensive. And then I picked the top five overall grades. All right. Before we get into that, just worth noting, Atlanta currently sitting at the 19th pick in the draft. Not They're not going to be bad enough to get one of those top quarterbacks. Yeah. So going top five grades here, I, I texted Mike during the London game and asked him to get together the top five grades once they got posted. And I wanted to see if I could guess them based off of watching the game. Now, to be fair, to be fair. I did for a portion of this have to go cook and clean my kitchen. So there was a chunk of the late third, early fourth that I missed. So if anything, you know, if anyone was playing out of their fucking mind in that period, I might miss them here. But here are my guesses. All right. Tell me as I get them. It doesn't have to be in perfect order. As always, the mainstay of the Falcons three stars, Jesse Bates. He is number two with an 88.1 overall defensive grade. Bijan Robinson. Not on the list. Fuck, man. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed like he was winning every every snap. Chris Lindstrom. Yes, number one, an 89.4 overall offensive grade. The right guard. Right guard. D. Alford. Not on the list. Fuck. John U. Smith. Yes, the third overall with an 82.5 overall offensive grade. If he's your third highest graded player, didn't have a good game. All right, I have I have one more guess here. I want to get the five perfectly, but I did I did write down six names. Okay. David Onyemata. Did not make the list. Fuck. All right. Who were the two I missed? So fourth highest was center Drew Dahlman, 82.4. Um, and lastly was Calais Campbell, 79.2 overall defensive grade. Okay. I'll take that because I gave Calais Campbell one of my stars of the game. Yeah. I feel like I, the guard and the center are both popping up on that top five list. It's probably why you thought Bijan would be. <laughs> you know, like they yeah, helped probably, him out. Right? So that's probably yeah. why. I don't know. Bijan was kind of flying around, man. Mm hmm. Uh, you have any notes, or can I give you my three stars? Nope, hit me. All right, third star of the game. Once again, Jesse Bates, third star. Eight tackles, one tackle for loss. Great in coverage all day. Second star, Calais Campbell. Old man, still got it. I have him as eight tackles, uh, one for loss, and getting a sack on Trevor Lawrence in limited stamps. And my first star of the game. Now I'm feeling bad about it. Feels like I shouldn't give it to him because PFF doesn't agree with me. Bijan Robinson. 14 for 105 on the ground, which is a seven and a half yards a carry, and then another five receptions for 32 yards through the air, and just still being all Bijani. Yeah, him and, I don't... him and Josh Jacobs this week. It's like they go into a hole left in like the the like A gap or the B gap, and it's like they come out faster somehow. Yeah, Bijan had a 28.7 grade in pass blocking, so that probably dragged down his overall offensive grade. Why he, oh, he didn't end up in the top five? In one of those. Once again. At Houston next week. I believe the line's currently Falcons minus one and a half. Uh, starting to get to make or break territory. This is the Talon Alone team against the Talon Alone quarterback. Strapped the Talon Alone rocket to him earlier in this. Uh, definitely kind of a grass is green on the other side situation I'm feeling right now. Like me, like me some Houston. Not like in how Atlanta's looked the last couple weeks. Kind of wishing we had picked Houston. But you can't change your team, Mike. All right, Mike. We got one more segment to go through this week. It is our weekly awards. Now, for those of you who aren't new here, we give out the identical five, six awards every week. They never change regardless. And then we have a free space to give up any extra awards out. 
and I oh, maybe forgot a little bit here to uh, bring up the wheel. So give me a second. Yeah. How come we have no awards music yet for this? It's in the post. I never hear it. Uh, don't, I don't have any. I was just hoping yeah, you were listening to the podcast. I always I, I like to go back and hear how smart I sound. So why are you listening to the podcast then? <laughs> All right, Mike, you kicking or receiving this week? Defer. You can choose. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Coward. Uh, I'll kick. You take the first one. Uh, I should have waited until I spun the wheel to, to tell that. So if it was an award I didn't want to talk about, I uh, give it away. Hey, Mike. It is our weekly Taco Bell Hottest Seat of the Week Award. Sponsored by Taco Bell. Yeah. So you're not going to like my pick because it's not. I decided to shake it up and go actually a little college football here. So <laughs> you don't mind. So uh, Brian Kelly, who's got signed to a 10-year, $100 million, $100 million contract and more incentives than you could even imagine. On the hot seat, things are not going great. He uh, is now 3-2. and two. Lost week one to uh, FSU 45-24. The defense gave up 494 yards. In week four, they barely beat Arkansas. At home, 34-31, his defense gives up 426. And then most recently this week against Ole Miss, they lose 59-49. Defense gives up 706 yards. Three hundred. Who are they? The Denver Broncos. Yeah, three hundred and seventeen on the ground. Now keep in mind, this LSU defense was like top ten in like the nation last year. I think, or for sure, really high in the the SEC. So three hundred seventeen yards on the ground, not good. And you're playing for a massive SEC program who will not fuck around. So Brian Kelly, hot seat. Damn, didn't expect you to go to college, uh, but I should have guessed you were going to call out a former Notre Dame coach. There actually is a point I made was kind of funny is that uh, they are one of the worst graded tackling teams in the FBS and Notre Dame fans are laughing because after him being our coach, we're like, yeah, that definitely tracks. <laughs> All right, Mike, spun the wheel again. My first award this week is going to the Brandon Staley Memorial Worst Coaching Decision of the Week Award. Oh boy, do I have notes on this one. Uh, gotta go. Gotta go to the what the fuck are you doing coaching bowl that happened this week where the Las Vegas Raiders played the Los Angeles Chargers. At the time of this coaching decision, the score was 24-10 towards the Los Angeles Chargers. On third and 34, Josh E.M., my man, third and 34, calls a screen pass. Team is down two scores, doesn't even go for it, calls a screen pass. Gains four yards. It is now fourth and 30. They're on the LA 38, which would have made it a 55-yard field goal. And Josh McDaniels punts the ball, tilts the field only 25 yards after the fair catch. Once again, they're on the 38. Their kicker is... Dan Dan the Carlson Kicking Man. There you go. My guy. Dan Dan the Carlson Kicking Man is 24 for 29 on 50-plus yard field goals, by the way. Pretty good. And they punted anyways. Pretty they, bad decision. Uh, would not go on to win the game. Backup from this game, a backup... What the fuck are you doing moment? Just the mystery of the week, Mike. <laughs> so towards the end of the game, on the three-yard line, Josh McDaniels, who notably has the running back Josh Jacobs, who could not be stopped all day, decides to throw an out route. Asante Samuels reads it the whole way, picks it off, and then for some reason, with daylight in front of him, Brandon Staley tells him to slide. 
happens before the two-minute warning. So with the two-minute warning and the timeouts and the injured Justin Herbert, Las Vegas gets the two-minute warning, uses two timeouts, it's third down, and injured Justin Herbert says, fuck it, Quentin Nelson's down there somewhere, or Joshua Palmer's down there somewhere, one of the guys that wasn't Keenan Allen's down there somewhere, uncorks a 50-yard bomb to convert on third and medium. But once again, the fuck was Staley telling us on A. Samuels Jr. to slide for? Oh, yeah. And he got, once again, he gets saved by a quarterback. Last week it was Kirk Cousins, I guess, not being able to hear over the Vikings crowd. And then this week it was Herbert making a great throw with one hand. And he got saved by two quarterbacks because Aiden O'Connell throwing that pick also saved him on the day. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention to this award. Mm-hmm. Riverboat Ron going for one to tie the game only to lose it in overtime after scoring the time-expiring touchdown to Jahan Dotson. I think it's time we give him a new nickname. Dale Boring Ron. I was just thinking Rowboat Ron. <laughs> Rowboat Ron? That's not bad. Taking away the riverboat from him. Yeah. He's now Rowboat Ron. No longer on a riverboat. Did you, uh, You're not going to give Tomlin an honorable mention? Uh, I just had the... Uh, the Riverboat Ron one. You got you got Tomlin honorable mention there, buddy? Yeah, he's down 16-3 with 5.50 left in the third. It was fourth and goal on Houston's five, and he kicked the field goal so he could go for a two, from a two-score game to a two-score game. We got to get these coaches into a couple math classes. It was very, like, old veteran coach who's been in the league a long time kind of decision. All right, Mike. Spun the wheel. Your next award you're giving out. Game of the week. Hmm. So... My game of the week, obviously, since Miami just get, ended up getting kicked around by the Bills, I went Washington at Philly. Me too. Let's go. Yeah. 34-31 OT game after uh, Hal throws the game-tying touchdown to Jahan Dotson. And it's just like it's typical NFC East. Like It's kind of a crapshoot. The games are either a blowout or they end up being like a really fun close game. You just never know which one it's going to be. Uh, and uh, so I have a question for you on this one. Where are you on the, uh, the uh, Hallometer right now? How are you feeling? He's like a marginally better Heineke, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't get that far behind him, man. He doesn't have the arm strength really pushing into tight windows. He was getting rid of the ball super fast this week. He was going to his first read, and if his first read wasn't there, he was, you know, show, like dumping the ball off to short passes. He wasn't trying to throw it into tight windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, time to throw was way down. He was actually making plays with his legs when he had the space to do it. He threw away the ball a couple of times, which is nice to see from what is arguably a rookie quarterback. Uh, good plays and bad plays. Mostly good plays, though. I, he played a lot better this week than he did last. Mm-hmm. And then, you know who's having like a really good season, even though he's not like stuffing the stat sheet? If you look at the box score, Kendall Fuller, dude. Yeah. Like, can we talk about Kendall Fuller a little more, just in like the football world? I think he's playing so well this year. You just don't hear Ken- a lot about him. Kendall, Kendall Fuller is like the lost name of the generation. He has yeah. been arguably a top 10 slot corner mm-hmm. since he's entered the league. And you just don't talk about him. I mean, you know, he's been on Washington and Kansas City and then back to Washington. He was part of the Alex Smith trade. But just everywhere he goes, quietly, an awesome cornerback. Yeah. And also, one of the things coming out of it is, like, Philly's still kind of looking for, like, that dominant win to, like, reestablish themselves, like, in the media's eyes as one of the top teams. And they haven't been able to find it. So the only two notes that you didn't hit here that I did want to hit... uh, the A.J. Brown-Tawny penalty, kind of a great moment. I mean, Emmanuel Forbes was getting his ass 
picked mm-hmm. by AJ Brown all day. And then Forbes gets two pass breakups in a row and starts talking shit. And then AJ Brown beats him on a touchdown. Forbes is just sitting there on the ground like a sad child. And AJ Brown like spins the football in front of him, looks him down and gets the flag. That flag then gives Washington the 15 yard head start on the kickoff that eventually leads to the Jahan Dotson touchdown. Oh, wow. I did not, I did not realize that was the uh, series events prior to it. Yeah. Um, just great, great on both ends there. Gotta love the taunt. Gotta love Emmanuel Forbes getting put in his fucking place after talking shit. Gotta love that AJ Brown's arrogance led to a Washington touchdown. It was really like the gif of the small domino eventually leading to the giant domino. Yeah, I can't believe um, that's kind of a, a weak penalty. I, I hate most taunting penalties. I hate. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Also, the official town alone rule, as we've stated in previous weeks, is that if you punt in overtime, you should lose the game automatically. Absolutely. It should be an automatic loss if you punt in overtime. And Rowboat Ron punts in overtime should be an automatic loss. I agree. But hey, it's kind of like best case situation, I think, for you. Because you're thinking like, hey, it was a really fun game. It was close. But, you know, we get a step closer to a high draft pick. We're not going to be bad enough to get a high draft pick, though. Probably not. But, you know. We're going to, we've been stuck in that like 9 to 14 range since the Chase Young draft and we'll stay there for years to come. Mm-hmm. Skill position's too good. Eric Bieniemy is turning out to be a pretty good play caller. The defense is too good. We'll, we're not going to be anywhere near the Caleb Williams, Drake May conversation. Yeah. Been in the wheel. All right, Mike, I have gotten the Rubberman Bounce Back Performance of the Week. Uh, this is an award we give out every week to a player who bounces back. To go back to our previous conversation here, I went ahead and gave mine to A.J. Brown. It's a little cheating because I'm actually giving it to him for the last two weeks combined. Yeah, we didn't give this award out last week. Oh, no, I just killed the gimmick. <laughs> his first two weeks this season, 11 receptions. This is total in his first two weeks. 11 receptions, 108 yards, zero touchdowns. 72.8 grade. The last two weeks combined, 18 receptions, 306 yards, two touchdowns, 85.4 grade. AJ Brown, you're officially getting the Rubberman Bounce Back Award of the Week. Good choice. Very good choice. And Mike, the final named award that we give out every week, as everyone knows, the Fantasy Benchwarmer of the Week Award goes to you. Mike, who are you giving the Fantasy Benchwarmer of the Week Award to? Well, there's three possible, three possible candidates this week that, that really tried hard to make me look stupid. Yeah, you got got to respect the hustle on these three men. So first off, like in my redraft league, made some bad decisions. I uh, had Khalil Herbert, who finally had a good game, twenty point two points on my bench, and then Kyron Williams went back to scoring touchdowns and had twenty six point two points. But the winner actually comes from our dynasty league because that one's actually worth money. And uh, I ended up forgetting and leaving Kyle Granson in as my starting tight end. Literally, when that week I. Uh, picked up Cole Komet with the intent of starting him and uh, Cole Komet proceeded to be a part of the greatest Justin Fields day in history and posted 24.1 points. And I'm currently down in that match by 5.7 points, basically. And my competition is Daniel Jones going tonight. So that's really not a lock. I could still pull this out. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anyone left or is it just DJ against the world? It's DJ against the world. Story of his life. Yeah. I just hope that he's, Fucking picks. Yeah. All right, Mike. So then as, as devotees of the show will know, we also, every week, hand out our free space awards. We'll go back and forth till we run out here. Mike, how many free space awards do you have? Yeah. A couple, but I really have one that I for sure want to hit, depending on okay. time. 
I have two, so I'll start, and you can go in the middle, and I'll sandwich you as we, we like to do. Mm-hmm. So the first award I have here is the Aiden O'Connell Award for player that I was publicly too high on. And that award goes to Aiden O'Connell. 24 for 39, 239 yards, seven sacks for negative 50 yards, which six of those sacks were by Khalil Mack, who plays well against the Raiders and plays okay against everyone else. Which, if you take his passing yards, subtract his sack yards, Aiden O'Connell had a net positive 189 yards. Zero touchdowns, one pick, which ended the game, negative 0.21 EPA per play, negative 8.1 completion percentage overexpected. I was uh, very, very notably and very publicly high on Aiden O'Connell going in, including last week in my My Guys article, where I implored the Las Vegas Raiders to start Aiden O'Connell over Brian Hoyer. And I might have been wrong. Yeah. But, you know, if, if like, dumb people who call Patriots games are still going to, like, every time Mac Jones throws a terrible play, be like, ah, oh, well, you know, he's still young, even though he's not. Um, I guess we can use that excuse for Aiden O'Connell, too. Mike, what is your free space award? Uh, it's This is the uh, That's What I'm Talking About award. And it, it goes to a player who's finally doing something I've been looking for him to do. And it goes to Trevor Lawrence. Didn't have a massive day in London. Uh, but one of the things he did very well in college that he just has refused to do in the NFL is scramble and use his legs. And he did four times, picked up 42 yards, most importantly, three first downs on those. It was such a big part of why he had such a high graph, draft grade because people were looking at he's got the Allen size, the Herbert size, you know, the Mahomes size, and he's athletic. So people were looking for him to do it. He refuses to do it, but very proud to see him finally. Uh, take that out of the arsenal because he need it because they had absolutely no running game whatsoever. You know how we talk about like how Mahomes runs like he's trying not to spill a beer and Kyler Murray runs mm-hmm. like he's a toddler trying not to trip over? Yeah. Trevor Lawrence kind of runs like he's a gazelle or like he's a human that suddenly got gazelle legs. His stride. Yeah, he gets like he, that he, really yeah. big, long stride, but his body's stiff upright the whole time. Like He it doesn't is. like lean forward like people do when they run. Yeah, unlike Mahomes, who does do like the little like baby steps and like scurries his feet all fast. Carries the ball out in front of him. (laughs) Yeah. Lawrence actually has like that really big stride. So All right, Mike. My other free space award of the week Mm -hmm. is the the God is in the Chili's Tonight Award. What is this one? This goes to the Patriots who down thirty-eight to three decide to kick a fifty two yard field goal. Now, the over-under for this game is 43 and a half. And Mike, what is 38 plus 3? 41. That is correct. And a field goal would give it how many total points? 41. Oh, total, sorry. (laughs) That's my new gimmick. I just answer every question with 41. (laughs) 44. And if the (laughs) over-under is 43 and a half, Mike, what would that hit if it was 44 points? The over. And Mike, I bet the under on this week. So a meaningless field goal they line up for. Rookie kicker, rookie fourth round pick for the Patriots, Chad Ryland, misses a 52-yard field goal to the right. And I felt God in the stadium tonight. Oh, I thought it was because you won money, so you're going to Chili's to celebrate? No, it was just the office quote. God okay. is in his Chili's tonight. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Nice, nice pull. My bad. I, I think I feel like I ruined it. I apologize. But I like I that one. N- nice, nice things on this podcast. Oh, that's fucking rude. Uh, nice cover by you. 
Thanks, bud. You got a, you, you, I know you said you only had one award, but did you have some other notes you wanted to burn through there? Ah, no, my other award was really going to be me once again gushing about Alan and Stefan Diggs, but I think I did that for about 15 minutes earlier. So you no wanna, to Did you at least up. have a clever name for it? I did. So it was the two-man power trip award. Uh, for wrestling fans, they'll get it. Because for a short period in time in 2001, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H were like a team. So it was like these two like massive top stars teaming up, and they were called the two-man power trip. That's what I call it. And everybody just turned off the podcast. Yeah, I almost turned off the podcast after that one. Uh, rude. All right, Mike, you got any more thoughts on week four of NFL action coming to a close tonight with the Giants and the Seahawks playing? Uh, it was a really good week, like so many good games. So hopefully the Giants and the Seahawks don't end it on a stinker. You know what was kind of crazy? How massively entertaining that 425 slate was, despite having two blowouts. Yeah. Like Cardinals that that Cardinals-San Francisco game was so much fun for a game that was decided by more than two scores. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the hairless Josh Dobbs, he, he hung around. You know, they weren't totally like... Dogs. I mean, McCaffrey eventually was like, yeah, we're not doing this. <laughs> but, um, you know, they they hung around. Unfortunately, you know. McCaffrey scores four touchdowns, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I um, it wasn't a great game to watch at all, but I always love watching, you know, the Patriots get the shit kicked out of them. And I got to say, Belichick needs 18 wins to pass Shula, and it looks like that may take him a minute to get there. If you... Okay, let, let's do it this way. Right now, without thinking about it too much, amongst quarterbacks who have been named the, the starter in the 2023 NFL season, where would you rank Josh Dobbs? Like 15, 16? Like, is 12 too high? Because my instant thought is 12. If, you, if like you gave me like a few extra minutes to kind of like really think about it and like, you know, look at some things, it may come out 12. He has not played that bad in a year where like Pickett has been bad and mac jones i mean dobbs is playing better than joe burrow right now is that a crazy thing to say no it's not it's really not. like right now for week five of nfl action geno smith or josh dobbs i'm gonna say geno slightly though a lot closer okay. than you would think going into the season like not I wanted, as i wanted to see if josh dobbs was the worst quarterback in his own division no no, his first quarterback in his own division is Brock Purdy, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Going by your 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 uh, your priors. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike, you got any uh you got any interesting things going up on the website this week? Um well yeah. I'm scheduled nine nine AM tomorrow to record a Town Alone Pro Wrestling podcast. So to getting that knocked out to play. Um we're gonna have fast lane predictions coming up, a little bit of a heavy wrestling week. And then also I got some cool stuff in the works because we, we just don't have time between two football podcasts, um, hockey and basketball starting NFL podcast to be specific. We still don't have time to really talk about college football, nor is it really something high on your radar to talk about. So kind of my goal is definitely, I'm going to be going pretty uh, college football heavy as far as articles go for the website. So look forward to that. And I, as always, will have my, my guys article up. Once again, you can email us at, talentalonepod at gmail.com send us your questions comments concerns let us know where you think josh dobbs rates ranks in the ratings jesus ranks in the rankings amongst nfl starters so far this season uh let us know if you have any monday morning headlines better than the houston rockets let us know your thoughts on the drew holiday trade 
And as always, check out the website, townalone.com, Fastlane Predictions. We got up the Transfer Portal Part 2 last week. The, unfortunately, the My Guys list is going to have to talk about Aiden O'Connell. There's no real way around it. I somehow became the guy who was highest on Aiden O'Connell in the football pundit world. Didn't expect that going into the season, did you? Dude, don't feel bad. I was high on EJ Manuel. We all make mistakes. Uh, come back Friday for another Town Alum podcast. And then next week, we'll probably have our basketball over-unders. Uh, and should be getting our uh, our hockey prediction article up this week as hockey, the puck drop is next Tuesday, I believe. Only one thing left to say, Adam. Shout out Big Cock Fox. Big Cock Fox! <laughs> <laughs>